Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life here in Miami, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. In this particular podcast, you're going to hear a message on what we anticipate for 2020. It's a prophetic message both for you and the church, especially Northeast Oklahoma. I hope you enjoy. service, I'm already asking God, what are we doing next week? What do you want me to talk about? And I begin to meditate and think on things and just really let my imagination run. And I, I, I do a lot of thinking and just, God, what do you want to do? And uh, I had an idea. I was going to stand up here today and I was going to really by faith declare why I do what I do. And just I was just going to talk with you and I was going to um, go to the, the story in the New Testament when Mary and Martha, Jesus goes to their house. This is after Lazarus has been raised from the dead. And Martha is tied up in the kitchen working. And Mary comes out and she anoints Jesus' feet. I was going to talk about um, just a, a passion and a love for Jesus. That's why we do this and I do this. And I, we were going to talk about um, what we've done this year and where we're going. It's kind of almost like a state of the church address, state of the union type thing. And uh, But I never just, I, Thursday, I is, so anyway... That's kind of where I was going, and then Thursday I try to sit down and get everything hashed out, written, my outline put together, um, so that I can, ha- really the goal is to have Saturday off. That's really, that's loud, that's really the goal, is to have Saturday off. Um, my one day a week, just to, but lately I've been uh, going back in Saturday evening to finalize and actually write that I couldn't get done on Thursday because life happened and various things happened. And this last Thursday, my mind just, I was struggling with some, some things with my uh, mind. I got ticked off by something and I couldn't get out of it. You ever been there? Just ticked off and so you couldn't get out of that ticked off moment. Um, but I, I got through that. Um, but anyway, so I'm, yesterday, we're going to put up all the Christmas boxes because everything's packed away. The house is no longer Christmassy except on the outside because everything was wet. I couldn't take it down. And uh, I know I'm going to go over to Ashley's grandma's house um, on the pain side. Uh, Alice, I believe it's her name. Uh, yes, Alice. And uh, Ashley's asked me to come over and pray for her. We all know that she's battling with a possible prog- uh, diagnosis of cancer. And um, so I went over there. I'm going to be gone an hour. It, I put together some of the kids' things and um, got a ballet bar hung and a Jim hung in a doorway. It was just got a lot done. And then I went over there. It was going to be gone 45 minutes to an hour. Well, four hours there, we still haven't gotten to why I was there, except that I believe I was there for the purpose of just spending time with these people. Uh, I thoroughly had a, a great time. I enjoyed spending time with uh, both grandparents, and Sean and Ashley were there, and it was just it was a good time. And... Finally, I was, Vanessa was texting, I hope everything's okay, because she was expect, expecting me gone for 45 minutes to an hour, not four plus hours later. And uh, anyway, so I'm like, okay, we got we to gotta do what I'm here for. I've got, I'm getting called away. And so I just sat down at their kitchen table, and uh, I looked at Alice, and I, <clears throat> I don't know a whole lot about her church background. I'm mentioning names. I'm sorry. I hope I don't offend anybody. Um, I, I don't know much about background of church, but I felt like God told me to prophesy. 
her health. Now, that's a scary word, I think, for people, prophecy and prophet and prophetic. And, and in a New Testament con, uh, world, um, all I was doing is I was going to speak over her something that was not yet, but would be. That's all. It wasn't like I was going to you know, get a, a fortune to tell her. That's not what prophecy is. Um, I know we stopped a lady the other night, and she freaked out so much that she had tarot, She was reading her tarot cards while we were writing her multiple tickets and not taking her to jail, um, which is really weird for me, but whatever. Anyway, so prophecy, it's, it wasn't, and I just said, listen, I'm going to say I prophesy health and wholeness. I prophesy cancer-free and things like this, and I said it's not a, it's just we can speak into the future the will of God, and that's what prophesying was. And I prayed, and I left, and that was it. And I get home, and it's 7 o'clock. I intended to be at the church office by 4 to start writing. And uh, Evelyn. And so, anyway, I, I get, anyway, it's 7 o'clock, and I've, we've put everything away, and I look in the floors, and I'm thinking, before we bring furniture back out, because we have to move furniture out, tree in, I'm going to go ahead and shampoo five weeks. So I should be at the church office, right, writing, and, Seeking God, and I'm instead out there shampooing the living room carpet. And as I'm shampooing the carpet, I felt like God said, speak about prophesying into 2020. So that's what we're going to do today. We're gonna, I'm going to teach on what prophecy is in the New Testament context. And then I'm going to share with you what's on my heart beyond that about what it means to prophesy into our 2020. And so, with that, I'm going to open with 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verses 1 through 5. And it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. It's just talking about the New Testament speaking in tongues, something that we believe in and hope for everyone. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So think about that. When I don't know if you've ever heard someone, most, most of us have, but I don't know if you've ever heard someone speaking in tongues. You have no clue what they're saying. That's all he's saying. They speak mysteries. And then he goes on, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So it's okay to desire spiritual gifts. I desire to prophesy. I desire gifts of healing. When I lay my hands upon somebody, I want them to be healed. That is a spiritual gift. I desire words of knowledge where it's like, I know you better than you know, and I can speak into those situations. I can uh, begin to declare things over you for you that you've been asking God for. I love it when God works in the area of words of knowledge and, and gifts of faith where we have a supernatural belief that God's going to do something beyond anything we're capable of doing. And I believe that's kind of what we've been at as a church is in this uh, operating a gift of faith, needing faith to make it from, from week to week, day to day in an uh, opportunity to reach our community. And there's many more. Um, but then it goes on here and it says, after desiring spiritual gifts, it says, but especially that you may prophesy. Okay? So Paul is saying, desire gifts, but number one, desire that you prophesy. Now, one of the things that we tend to do in a Pentecostal or in a charismatic church is we desire spiritual gifts, but primarily only that we might speak in tongues someday. And I know there's people that don't, that wish they could. Those are those that have no clue what I'm talking about. There are those that are like, not me, huh? no way, that freaks me out. And that's fine. But so many times we focus on the one instead of what the, what the Apostle Paul says right here. He says that you would prophesy. And he goes on to say, but he who prophesies speaks edification, check these words out, exhortation and comfort to men. Say edification, exhortation, and comfort. 
He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. So he goes on there and says, I wish it all for you, but even more than that, that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So really what I want to do here is define prophecy. And in the context of the word, the the meaning, the simple one-word meaning to prophesy is to foretell. It's great. I love the prophetic. I love it when people give us prophetic words. Um, Phil Stern was with us not uh, last this this year, a while ago, and he began to speak over people something that was of a future impact upon their lives. It wasn't a fortune, it was a foretelling. And generally, when you foretell in the context of prophesying, you're confirming something that's already on someone else's heart, something they're dreaming about, something they believe that God has for them. And it's just a word to encourage, there's that word, uh, them muchly. So, uh, so prophecy is simply foretelling. And it has some purposes, and we read this just a minute ago. It's to edify, to exhort, and to what? You remember what the word was? Comfort, comfort. So the pur- purpose, first one, edifies. First Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify, this may read just a little bit different, and edify one another just as you are, are, just as you are also, just as you also are doing. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but obtain Salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, and whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So there's this idea of encouraging um, one another. It should be this thing of, um, and when I say encouraging, it's not like, hey, you're doing a good job. It's like, go out and do something big for God. Go out and feed your community. Go out and and do something exciting. Do something that you normally wouldn't do. Do something bigger than yourself, and let's do it all together. That is what this edifying is in this room about. It's this together pushing each other for greater things of God. And then in Romans 14, 19, it says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which may edify one another. So what are the things that we are pursuing together to push each other for greater things in God. That is what prophecy should be doing for us. When we looked at a Thanksgiving or a holiday feast and we began to raise money, honestly, we were speaking through our desire to do that into the future. We are going to feed people, we're going to give away baskets of food, and we're going to help show the love of Jesus of Christ. Jesus of Christ? Yes, Jesus Christ. And so what we were doing when we were saying we're going to do these is we were simply prophesying. See how less weird prophecy becomes all of a sudden? I love that. And so that's, that's that. And then the next thing it says in, that, in 1 Corinthians 14 is in describing or the purposes of, of the prophetic is to exhort. Now, I, I was looking at this word, because that's not a word we typically use. I don't know. When was the last time you said, I exhort? Well, I don't even know I could use it in a sentence. I, I don't know that I could do that. It's not a word, Alana, that we normally use, is it? It's kind of a weird word. So I began to dive into the definition of it so that we could get greater clarification of what is exhortation within prophecy. And the, the word means to deliver exhortation. Great, it's using the word to define it. But it, it goes on, it says, to use words or arguments to incite to good deeds. So it sounds a lot like what I was just describing with edifying, but it's instead of pushing each other together, this is with your words, 
causing somebody else to do something great. That's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need to be in a church is because together we can, with words, push each other to greater works, to greater things. Scripture is very clear that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God uh, prepared in advance for us to do. So if he is advancing or saying things prior to us doing things over our lives and prophesying, and we're to do things like him, we're to speak like him, we can create like him, then we should be looking at one another and saying, hey, that's a great thing. Go for it. And and push each other to do great things. Now, uh, Thayer's is just another It's a Bible dictionary. Uh, It defines the word exhort uh, from 1 Corinthians 14. The word is parakaleo. I know that's a, I'm sounding all smart all of a sudden. Don't think that I am. It's the the original word, the the Hebrew word is parakaleo. And it's to call to one side, to call for or to summon. Think about having a summons to appear, summons to rise up. It's a call to rise up and do something. It goes on to say to address to speak to, which may be done in a way of uh, entreaty, comfort, or instruction, to admonish, to exhort. Really what I do every Sunday morning when I begin to open the scriptures is I exhort. That's really what I'm called to do. It's not to preach, it's to, well, I'm called to way more things than just preaching, Um, but that's really, it's exhorting, it's uh, lifting each other up. Now it goes on to talk about to beg, to beseech, to Strive to appease by uh, entreaty, words I just don't use. To console, to encourage, and strengthen by consolation. To comfort, to receive consolation, to be comforted, to encourage. So you get this idea that this is a a motivational talk, so to speak. Maybe that's the best way. A motivational talk. And then the third purpose of the prophetic is simply to comfort. In John 14, 26, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the comfort, comforter. Um, the one And the one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to prophesy. So he says the Holy Spirit is a comforter. And one of the things he does in us is causes us to prophesy. And if his nature is to comfort and the words that he gives us to, to share, uh, they should do the same. They should comfort. Is that Are you with me? Is that making sense? So um, the, the question really then is how then do I prophesy? That's good. I, I mean, I can stand up here and I can be like, uh, good job. That's, I mean, that's an element of, but that's not a foretelling or a, a, a pushing somebody to do something that we have a vision today to carry out tomorrow. Maybe that's the best way to describe the prophetic in this, in this nature is to see something in someone else, or they see something in themselves, that we encourage them with words and actions to motivate them to do something tomorrow that they dreamed of today. That's kind of a good way to put it. I like that. So how do we prophesy? First off, we have to prophesy by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a lot of motivational people out there, a lot of great speakers, causing people to try to do good, be better, think great thoughts, but without the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit working through them, they're only making somebody feel good. They're not pushing somebody to do good and do more. Um, They might encourage you, but there's this unction, so to speak, that comes upon them that that allows them to, uh, when when I speak over you to do something good, I might be way more specific than go out and do good. Go out and say good things. Believe good things for yourself. I don't know where that accent just came from. <laughs> that was weird. Um, but, but we get to 
with the, the utterance of the Holy Spirit within us, we get to be more specific. We get a greater insight into the future of somebody to push them towards those good works. And I love that. So we've got to do it by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter 1, 16 through 21 says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received the honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was borne by him, uh, to him by the majestic glory. And this is the voice. This is when Jesus was being baptized. It said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this very word. So the disciples are saying, we heard this. We heard this very voice, voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. And what they're saying here is that the, all of the prophets prophesied that this man would come, and we have that prophetic word in a real way because we can actually touch it. We're sitting in the, the fulfillment of the prophetic word. We sat last Sunday. Was it last Sunday or the Sunday before? Whatever. Two Sundays ago, it was two Sundays ago, we sat in the fulfillment of the prophetic word that we would feed our community. We will sit in the future in the prophetic word that we will do something and we're now seeking God for that prophetic direction for our next thing to show love to our community. So here they are and they, they believed in, they've hoped for a Messiah. The, the Jesus, Jesus is baptized and this voice comes from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. They heard the voice born from heaven and now on this holy mountain they have the prophetic word more fully confirmed because they can touch and see it goes on to which you will do well to pay attention as to the lamp shining in a dark place under the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first of all that okay so know this first of all know this this is the first thing you know should know no prophecy of scripture come from comes from someone's own interpretation for no one for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we've got to be in a place in the Holy Spirit. We've got to be fully filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we can begin to speak. Another word is mysteries. We can begin to foretell into people's lives. Again, this is not fortune-telling. This isn't like going to a palm reader, or calling a psychic. It's nothing like that at all. This is using what the Holy Spirit provides, not what demonic and, uh, and other forces would try to do. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I believe in psychic power. Now, don't freak out because I just said that. I don't trust in, and I don't pursue what a psychic can do. I believe that they get their insight from demonic forces. We get our insight from the Holy Spirit. And we are not psychics. We are strictly speaking into somebody to do something greater. Is, is that so? I'm not, I'm not going to sit down and, and psychically see um, a single woman in a room and say, by the third day of the fourth week of the seventh month, you will come across a man. That's bull crap, though. That's bull butter. And, and these people that, that read, uh, that, that begin to talk with the dead. That's garbage. I believe they're talking with demons, not with loved ones. But anyway, that's not what I'm here to preach about today. But we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why when we begin to speak into people's lives, we've got to make sure that we understand the spirit in which we're speaking. 
Am I speaking like this says? Am I speaking from my own interpretation? No, if I am, that is not prophecy at, at all. But if I speak from what God gives me through the Holy Spirit, then that is the prophetic. Is that, I, hope, I hope I'm making sense. And, and another thing is, how do I prophesy? This is huge, and this is, ties into what I just said. By not quenching the Spirit. I stay actively involved in the moving of the Holy Spirit within my life. I stay actively involved in abiding in the presence of God. I stay actively involved in the exchange and in the encounter with God. It's a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, linking arms with one another. So as He moves, I move. As He breathes, I breathe. As Holy Spirit speaks, I speak. And that's huge. And when I uh, uh, like get outside of the Holy Spirit, when I begin to rely on my own ways and my own will and my own direction and pursuing things on my own, in that moment I am quenching the Spirit of God in my life. When I say, God, I don't know, need you in this moment, and we don't, I don't think anybody in this room says, oh, wait a minute, God, I don't need your help in this. But I think we oftentimes just forget to allow him to help us in our situations. And therefore, and our situations are good and they're bad, but hopefully they're mostly good. But it, we don't do that. It's like uh, Pastor Al would drive around Walmart and he'd begin to ask God for a good parking spot. And he'd just in mid-prayer, he'd come around the corner and the open spot would pull up, open up. He'd say, oh, never mind, God, I got it. <laughs> this one already. That's a joke, but that's kind of how we quench the spirit. We forget to allow him to fully be involved in what we're doing. We forget to allow the Holy Spirit to help us make simple and big decisions. We forget to have relationship with God because we get busy. Is that fair? We get busy. We don't get around like we want to. We're running late, therefore I can't get my time with God in this morning or or, um, or three days after Sunday morning. Man, that was awesome. I can't wait to go out and meet with God on Monday. And Wednesday rolls around and you're like, oh. We didn't have a plan to read together as a church. So, forgot. I have a reminder. I didn't, listen, when we fail to engage with the Holy Spirit continually, we're quenching the Spirit. You're either fueling or you're quenching. Does that make sense? Are you with me? On that, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 20, says, Rejoice always. Say always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Say all. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Based on what I've talked about right now, in the Old Testament, there was the office of the prophet. And the Bible says that in in Ephesians, it talks about He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. There is an office of prophet, but yet I'm here to tell you today, we are all to seek to prophesy. Now, that doesn't mean to sit in mantle of or be a prophet and begin to uh, guide the church. We are all called to speak into somebody for their tomorrow. And desire that. Are you, are, you, are you with me? Hopefully 100%. Hopefully I'm making sense. And so with all of that, with everything that I've just talked about, now I'm going to share with you my heart and my vision coming forward. Um, my third point, my first point was just 
uh, what is prophecy. The second is how do I prophesy. And the third point is prophesying into 2020. So as I'm shampooing the carpet, God says, we're going to prophesy into 2020 tomorrow. Like, well, you couldn't have you given that to me on Thursday? Because then I wouldn't be up, and then I get up to church, and I get everything written, and, or up to the office, and I get everything written, and then I start to work on the computer, and it crashes on me, and 1130 rolls around. Nothing's working, so I just go home. I got something written, and I'm like, I know, God, you're going to speak through this message clearly. So um, as I was really seeking God, you know, how do I find a biblical example of prophesying into tomorrow? That's what we're doing. Tomorrow, so to speak, isn't necessarily Monday 2020, but we're going to speak into our 2020. These words that we sang this morning in the first two songs were all about speaking into circumstances, speaking into your future, speaking health over your life, speaking uh, that fear would go away, speaking into the darkness to be disseminated by light, all these things that we've been talking about. But I feel like it's going into the next year that it's paramount that we begin to speak over our next year some things that are not as though they are. So as I'm speaking these next few thoughts, I want you to begin to already imagine. Imagination is fantastic when it's combined with what the Holy Spirit is already doing, when we're in connection with the Holy Ghost. So with your imagination, I want, to be, I want you to begin to think of what tomorrow, next year, 2020, looks like. What do you want to accomplish? What do we want to do as a church? What do we want for our lives, for our families, for our health, for our connections, for our whatever, begin to imagine what 2020 looks like. Now, when you do that, don't wish for something, but seek God to show you what he wants to do with the 2020. You with me on that? So with that, I want to go into the Old Testament. I know we're in a New Testament way of prophesying, and it did change a little bit. I don't want to get into any of that directly because it's still foretelling regardless of how you look like, but we're not seeking a prophet to tell us the Messiah is coming. We're sitting in the fulfillment of the greatest prophetic words that have ever been given. So now, instead of seeking God for the coming of his Messiah, we're seeking God for how we move in the declaration of who the Messiah is, who's already been revealed, his name is Jesus. So, But anyway, going back to the Old Testament, and we're going to look at Ezekiel. This is a, a favorite passage of Scripture of mine in the Old Testament. I love, I've preached out of it many times. Um, I refer to it often, and this is we call the valley of dry bones. The valley of dry bones, Ezekiel 37. And it says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I may get to my point to all this. Hopefully I don't take too much time. The hand of the Lord is upon me. Does that, do you see how that fits with this place of being in the Holy Spirit? Staying in connection with the Holy Spirit. My, my dream for 2020, more than anything, is for all of us that we would abide in what God has. Abide in his presence. Abide in the Holy Spirit. That is, abiding is staying. Think about that. Abiding is staying. And so when this prophet here speaks up and he says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, we can begin to declare, the hand of the Lord is upon me. Me. It's an authoritative statement that we all can make because of what Jesus Christ has done, making us something that only he could do, and that's righteous. We are now in that place where the hand of the Lord is upon me. It says, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. Remember what I just read earlier, that we can't prophesy in our own uh, interpretation, uh, but we've got to be in the Holy Spirit. So he brought me out in the Holy Spirit. He didn't take me out of the Holy Spirit. He brought me out 
to put me in. I Follow that if you can. In the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. Sometimes I feel like that God, just being straight up honest, that God has placed us in a dry place. Think about that. Think about the dryness of the presence of God, it seems like, for the northeastern part of Miami or the, of Oklahoma, how dark and how dejected and how miserable this place could be if it wasn't for the presence of God that he so wants to pour out in a dramatic way in this place. So he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. They'd been there a while. You ever uh, pull a wishbone out of a turkey or a chicken? And do you ever make a wish with a wishbone? You know what I'm talking about? But when does a wishbone work the best? When it's sat in the windowsill and dried out for several hours or several days. Then it snaps. They were, this wasn't fresh dead. This was long dead. These were dry bones. And he said to me in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? So the Spirit says to the prophet, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord Lord God, you know. It makes me think of when uh, Mary and Martha ran to Jesus and said, raise my son. And he says, I will. And they were like, only you know. He knows. He wants us to know. And so he begins to reveal his plan. He says, and he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, what's he telling us to do? What's he saying for us to speak into for our region, for our community, for our state, for our uh, places and spheres of influence? He says, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Does that not sound like prophesy? I mean, he just said prophesy over these. This is what he's calling us to do. He's causing, calling us to begin to speak some things over our community into 2020 so that he can begin to put together the greatest resurrection there has ever been in this area. And as far as I'm concerned, this area died in 1986 when a, a factory was shut down and this place hadn't gotten over it. I call it the spirit of 86. And that's when the Goodrich plant was shut down. And I don't think this community is over it. I think they're still sitting dead with no hope and no vision and no dream for the future. And he's telling us to prophesy over these things, over these dry bones, and say this, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin, put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. The prophet says this, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Did he add to it? Did he give more to his interpretation? No, he strictly said as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, as I began to speak these things, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews, and and on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. There was no breath in them. We begin to see something happening. You see that this is a 
process that God's going to take us through into 2020. That we're going to begin to speak over these dry bones. And we're going to start to see progress and start to see things happening. But we're not going to see breath in it until stage two. And he says to me in verse nine, prophesy to the breath. So initially he said, prophesy to the bones. And I'm, I, I'm convinced that what's going to happen is we're going to speak out to our community one thing. And then God's going to say, I'm going to speak to the next level. Oh, am I funny? Oh, that's awesome. We're going to speak to the bones, and now we're going to speak to the breath. We're going to speak to our community that it would begin to reform what God ordained it to do. And then we're going to speak to it life and breath. And thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. In verse 10, so I prophesied, and he commanded me, and the breath came into them, And they lived and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. What God is calling us to do into 2020 is prophetically speak not to a few, but to the whole. That God's going to do something, I believe, with all of my heart in the future for especially Miami, but northeastern Oklahoma. God's going to do something not just for a pocket of people, but churches are going to begin to come alive. That that traditions are going to begin to die. And and the church over there and the church over there, and First Assembly and Grace, and even the Lutheran church up on the north side of town, they're going to begin to come alive with the breath of God. It's not just for word of life, Miami, however, something significant is going to happen here. But God is not so uh, 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 isolating of a one body. But when he works in a community, he works in the community as a whole. He will work in commerce, not the city, but like trades and goods and, and business. And, and businesses will thrive and, and, and restaurants that are a great Food will come to the area in Jesus' name. I prophesy a real Starbucks, and I I prophesy an IHOP, and I prophesy good stuff. IHOP's really not that good, but it's still a, it's better than some of the things we got. I prophesy a Waffle House right at the Turnpike. I don't, I, I'm not ready to prophesy Chick Fil A yet. My face's not there. I believe that's an interpretation of man. So, so anyway. But think about this. So this is something for the whole of the community. And it reminds me of that time when I was coming up on 125 right over there by Southern Hills Baptist Church. I just made the the turn at the stop sign to head north into town. And God said, I'm going to do something in the spirit realm. I'm going to do something through my work in the church that is then going to be mirrored in the community. I'm going to revive the church and I'm going to revive the economy. And again, this is something for the whole. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, Or as a friend used to say, are you smelling what I'm stepping in? Did I read 11? Or is it just up there? All right. Verse 13, 12. 12. Verse 12. says, therefore, prophesying to say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know, say no, you shall know that I am the Lord. 
when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you. You shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know, there it is again, that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. What God is wanting to do here through the reviving of of the church and in the spirit of God in this place and the reviving of the economy is it's going to all point to him. It's not going to point to a church specifically. It's not going to point to a man leading that. It's going to point to God. People are going to say that God showed up in Miami, Oklahoma to change the way people think, to change the way people act, to change the way people are for a better move of what he wants to do here. And this is going to be an incredible place to live. I believe it with all of my heart. I believe it with all of my heart. It is all to point to the Lord. So verse 14, to read it again, it says, I will put my spirit within you. You shall live, and I'll place you in your own land. You shall know that I am the Lord God. There are some characteristics that I want to point quickly out of this. The first one is he will put his spirit in us. You see, in this place of abiding in or communion with the Holy Spirit, he does the work. We don't conjure up. It's not a Christian Ouija that we listen to the spirits. He is upon us. The spirit of the Lord comes and he uh, he is placed within us. And the next part of that says we shall live. And you shall live. It clearly says. And what is this word live? In this word, the word is kaya. Kaya. See, I'm getting all like theological today and using Hebrew words. It's, I feel scholarly. This word is a prime root. It's to live, whether literally or figuratively, causatively to revive. Think about this. It is to cause revival, to keep, to make alive, to give life, to nourish, to preserve, to quicken, to recover, to repair, to restore, to save, to be whole. You see, he wants us to be whole, and he wants this community to be whole, and he wants to do it for the whole community. You see what I did there? And the third characteristic is he will place us on or in our land. It's time to occupy. It's time to be sold out to the cause of God for Northeast Oklahoma, specifically Miami. It's called, we are called to make it our that's why I believe very clearly I was driving on tunnel, uh, going, I think that was tunnel. I was going that way, off of this way. So I don't remember that part very clearly, but I remember what God said very clearly. I was here, I was visiting, we hadn't moved here yet. I was uh, making about one trip a month over just to drive around and pray and seek God. And I was driving by that house that used to have all the Christmas lights. Is that on tunnel? So I was right. I was on tunnel. And God said, as I went over the train tracks, I I remember that, the train tracks in the house, and there's a church right over here. And he said, buy, don't rent, tell the community you're here. That's why we bought our house. We occupied the land and made it our own. It's not necessary for you to buy a house but he's calling you to make this. If you're part of what God is doing, you want to be part of what God is doing here, he's calling you to make this your own. 
And why? Why, why does he put his spirit in us? Why does he want us to rise up and live? He wants us to live life, be excited about life. Why, why does he want us to be in our land? We said it very clearly just earlier, to know that he is the Lord. Is that not the purpose of life? To know God and make him known? To step off the throne, put him where he belongs, so that in his glory the world can see who he is? So, 2020, I just began to prophesy. I don't know if you caught that. Just speaking into 2020. And what I did just now is not something that's specific for me. We're all called to do it. Speaking over our children. Every time you pray for Riot, for his future, you're prophesying. Every time. Every time we are speaking about God, would you? We are prophesying that he would. We're believing God to do. So I want to encourage you, prophesy into your 2020. What kind of year do you think God has for you? And so I want to encourage you with this. I want to encourage you to begin now. I should have encouraged you weeks ago. Begin now to seek God for direction for next year. And I believe wholeheartedly in seeking God for a word, a single word. Y'all have figured out our first year here, our our word was unprecedented. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. And I felt like that what we were doing was changing the way the church was done. And I I don't understand where people are because I really think that God's got a future for the growth of this church. I don't understand that. It's not my place. The Bible says it's God adds to the church daily, those that are being saved. So it's on him to grow this church. It's just on us to be obedient. But it was unprecedented. And then year number two, do we remember what this year's word was? Manifestation. And, and we began to seek God for some things that he manifested. Uh, um, I'm ready to say this. I believe God for two things. I believe he was going to manifest two things. One is he was going to give us a worship leader. Oh. And he did. And she stuck. And number two, I believe that God was going to give us a building. So... I was in a church, it was actually Phil Stern was the pastor, and God gave a prophetic word over that church that it would be half full of black people. Now, Phil was born and raised in Africa, and he was pretty excited about, man, I'm going to have an interracial church. He's like, God's going to give us an interracial church. We're going to have black people and Indian people and white people and this people and those people. He was excited about it. The prophetic word was God's going to fill this church half full of black people. I kind of like to go to those churches. They're a lot more fun. Not this on anyone in the room. Well, several years later, the church grew. We had an opportunity to buy a much larger property. We sold that building to a black church, and when they moved in, they filled it halfway. Our interpretation, right, is quite interesting. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I believe that, and I believe that when God gave us Alana, I, I, I wasn't audible, but I heard him say, if I will do that with your worship leader, I'll do that for your building. Now, this is the last Sunday of 2019, and we're still in the same building that we were in two years ago. Did I mishear God? Did he not give us what he promised? Or did I interpret what God said different than what he 
and vision. You know, what happened this year is we began to use the building God had given us as though it was our own. Now we can't use it every day of the week. We moved the kids into another space. We began to take ownership of that, and we moved them into another space so that we could uh, grow in children's ministry. We began to do things uh, greater than what we think we are capable of doing. We gave away uh, 50 plus back, was it 50 or was it 100 backpacks? It was 50 backpacks and then some. And we fed uh, 50 plus people two Sundays ago and we gave away 25 complete, actually 24, I forgot one cookie in the fridge. And so anyway, we gave away 24 complete meal kits. Three families did that. We raised $1,250 to do that. That's big. That's big. I don't think any one of us collectively could have put in enough money to make $1,200 in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know that any one of us gives $1,200 in a year to this church. But God did something that was bigger than us. And so we are in the same location. But now we're going to start this Wednesday. So three days Three days from today, we're going to be back in this building using it as our own. We have a night of worship, and we're going to pray. It's a brand new, the first day of the year. What a great way to start off the year in the building that God has given us. The location didn't change. Our mindset did. So I believe with all my heart, he answered that. What he did in giving us Alana, he did in allowing us to use this building in a completely different way. And that takes me to our word. So I believe that, so the word was, the uh, first year was unprecedented, year two was manifestation. And so I'm going to ask, based on that in your life, what are you seeking God to do? And what word is he going to give you for 2020? Well, for the church, it is simply outside. Isn't that cool? Our word for 2020 is outside. And that doesn't mean outside doors. That means outside our preconceived ideas of what things should be. Church is going to look different. Relationships are going to look different. Uh, We're going to get outside these four walls. We're going to get God outside of the box that we've placed him in. We're going to believe that he can do things that no one has ever seen, heard, or thought of before. We're going to believe that he can manifest his presence in ways that no one has thought or heard or heard or seen or experienced. We're going to get outside. And that's our word for 2020, outside. So we prophesy into 2020. We prophesy into our tomorrow that we are going to get outside of our own agenda, outside of our own mindset, outside of even our own belief systems. And we're going to see that God can do even greater things. This morning, Alon and I were listening to a man that both of us think is a pretty cool dude, pretty strong prophetic, and he began to prophesy over his church that there would be mystics and art combined together. Now, that word mystic to me makes me think of psychic, right? Or some demonic thing. Now, I believe wholeheartedly, I'm not going to use that word mystic. I'm not here to prophesy mysticism or any kind of, because to me that's crap and garbage. But I'm willing to listen to God that he will always confirm through his scripture, by the way. We're not going to do anything that can't be tied back to scripture. But God can do whatever the heck he wants to do. And I'm on board. I can do it outside of my mindset. I can do it outside these walls. We're going to do more out there in the community. He's going to do
do things. We're going to get outside of ourselves. Uh, we're going to even in worship find ourselves worshiping in new and different ways. And we're going to get outside of our own comfort zones. And we might even raise our hands. Or we might even sway a little bit more. Or we might fall on our faces before God. We might do something I don't even know how to describe yet. My word, or our word for this church is going to impact every one of us in a real and a profound way. And at the end of 2020, I hope you all are still with us. We're going to look back and say, man, he did something outside of ourselves, outside of him. Well, not outside of him. That's not what I meant to say. Outside of our thought process of what he can do. To begin to dream begin to speak and begin to see what God will do, have faith for, watch him do some pretty incredible things. So my last comment, and then we're going to just go right back into worship. I don't know if you're going to do what what your next song is going to be. Okay, we're going to go goodness of God. So, um, and then we'll do yes, amen. Okay, because I still want to play drums today. Okay, good. I'm going to play the drums, put your earplugs in. Um, But as we worship together, now's the time. Ask him, God, what, what, what do you want for my family next year? Try to pinpoint it to a descriptive, singular word. And then ask him to give you a scripture to stand on. We have one. Ezekiel 37, it's more than one scripture. We're going to get outside. Remember that opening word? The hand of the Lord was upon me brought me out in the spirit. <laughs> that just happened. Oh, I like it when a plan comes together. Let's worship God. <laughs> well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in Northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts, but also in the area of support. If you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at wlmiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I dot com and click on the give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.